Welcome to Greater Life. We're excited that you're here. I'm excited to start a brand new sermon series. But I think I'm more excited about what God wants to say to us today. Amen? I'm a little torn. I've got this sermon series that we're kicking off. I've got this message that the Lord's prepared. But then I've got what I normally don't have. You guys okay back there? What I normally don't have is I have something on the back of my sermon notes that I want to share with you in a little bit. I had an interesting day on Friday, and I can't wait to tell you about it. But I'm going to, to the end of the sermon. What I do want to draw your attention to is these boxes that you may have noticed. What I'll share with you at the end of our time together is what those boxes are all about, and they're tied to exactly what we're doing on Wednesday night. Could you bow your heads and pray with me over today's message? Lord, thank you for today. I pray, God, that you would give us a heart and a a mind that will be leaned into your truth, Lord Jesus. Show us something in the story of King David and his calling today that we can apply to our own lives. But not only that, challenge us. Challenge us to see what you're calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen. I certainly don't want to assume, and I do not believe, that when we talk about Bible characters, that we can basically put ourselves in their situation. For example, uh, next week, we'll be talking about David and Goliath, and uh, I I certainly believe that there's a lot of principles in Scripture that show us that we, we don't need to fear the work of the enemy. We shouldn't run away from things uh, that, that God is calling us to go and to confront. But, but I also don't believe that it's wise for you to walk up to some seven-footer somewhere and say, well, I've got the anointing of David, and throw a rock at him. I don't think... We can apply it all the way out like that. You understand what I'm saying? But I do believe that it's the beautiful thing about Scripture is the Bible tells us that all of it, all of it is good for teaching. Amen? And so we want to take this story, this what we would consider a smaller story in the book of 1 Samuel. It's where we'll be as we talk about and begin this series, Line of David, from Forgotten to forever, from forgotten to forever. So I'd like to get into this, but I'd like to start with this idea of from mistakes to the miraculous. From mistakes to the miraculous. I believe with all of my heart that God knows the end from the beginning. He is sovereign above all. I believe that God knew that in the creation of the world that Adam and Eve were going to be stupid and mess up. And, and, and some would say, well, why did he create all of this if he knew that they would mess up? Well, don't pretend to be God. How about that? Don't assume that you know better than the creator of the universe, the one who has no beginning or no, or no end. I, for one, am thankful that he created this universe, this world, that he created me in his image and gave me an opportunity. Amen? I'm, for one, am thankful that he gave me a calling upon my life and gave me an introduction to the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. I am thankful for that. But God is sovereign, and so we find the first mistake In Adam and Eve, and then we see this contrast in the New Testament, in Romans and in Colossians and in Hebrews, we see that the mistake that man made was now covered by the perfection of Jesus Christ. So salvation wasn't something that God had to quickly figure out when sin came into the world, right? This was a plan established before the beginning of time. From a mistake to the miraculous. Let me introduce you to a nation called Israel. Now, Israel gets a bad rap, but 
a lot of what Israel did, we look at it and say, could a nation really be that hollow and lightheaded or whatever you want to say? Could, could a nation be blonde? Now that you're used to my preaching style, let's keep going. Which, by the way, I know natural blonde and most of y'all aren't the same thing anyway. And let me just say one more thing. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't. No. <laughs> It's, it's a joke, which, by the way, I give a joke at the beginning of every Wednesday night Bible study. Some would consider them dad jokes, but I'm a dad, so, you know, whatever. Really, it's this concept of Israel just making mistakes after mistakes after mistakes. And here's the mistake. God is their king and establishes what we call a theocracy. I will be your king. I will be your God, and you will be my people. And what does Israel say? We want our own king like everybody else. God is saying, I want to establish you different, special, a special nation, a peculiar people. I want you to be different from everybody else because I am your king. We want to be like everybody else. And, and, and then they rebel against God again and again and serve idols. So we have Israel completely confused and asking for a king. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, the prophet Samuel, he's aggravated because he was the judge at the time, which was a prophet and the final judge of Israel, who was the one that God spoke through, who gave the leadership at that time. And when they asked for the king, Samuel was a little bit offended. And God had to say, Samuel, listen, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So make sure you tell them exactly what they're asking for. So Samuel tells them. He gave them the Lord's warning and he said, listen, this is how a king will reign over you, Samuel said. The king will draft your son's and assign them to his chariots and his charioteers and make them run before his chariots. Some will be generals and captains in his army. Some will be forced to plow his fields, harvest his crops. And some will make his weapons and chariot equipment. The king will take your daughters from you and force them to cook and to bake and to make perfumes for him. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own officials. He will take a tenth of your grain and your great harvest and distribute it among the officers and attendants. He will take your male and female slaves and demand the finest of your cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks he will be, you, and you will be his slaves. When that day comes, you will beg for relief from the king you are demanding, but then the Lord will not help you. Be careful what you ask for. come out from behind this notice that Samuel says that you will be responsible now to give a tenth of your best to this king which to me that means the tax rate was 10% how many of you guys know that would be a relief nowadays go back up here <laughs> What he's saying is, let me be your king, but that's not good enough for you. You want to be like everybody else. Guys, there is a temptation among the people of God, and it's called compromise, to be like everybody else. Can I tell you, churches that compromise this word become like, quote, unquote, everybody else, because when you don't stand for anything, you fall for everything, right? So Israel asked for a king. A mistake was made. But God was using this mistake to turn it into a miracle that would become Jesus, 
who is the king of kings. Through the line of David, which we'll learn about, became the son of God, Jesus, born of a virgin, who would become the savior of all the world and the king of kings. And then we read in Revelation about this Jesus, the mistake that Israel made of wanting a king like everybody else. God used it and turned it into something miraculous where we find if we look at the end of history, God will accomplish what he set out to accomplish. Once again, the king will be the Lord over all. We will be back in a theocracy. How many of you guys are excited about that? Hallelujah. Mistake number three is Israel's first king, King Saul. Now, let me just read to you about what God is doing here. The first king was established, and in verse uh, 2 of chapter 9, it says, His son Saul, as God is instructing Samuel to go and find this king of Israel, his son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel. Head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. So what people would think would qualify as someone great, he had the look of someone great. The most handsome man in all of Israel. Tell your neighbor you're thankful that's not the standard anymore. Okay, don't. This whole idea, God was establishing some truth here. Because now we find the second king of Israel, King David. The mistake of establishing a king based on look and what makes sense brought Saul to a place where Saul took it upon himself to make a sacrifice before the Lord in 1 Samuel 13. Just to give you a little bit of context here, Saul was called and anointed to be king. And in, the, in that story, in 1 Samuel, we find Samuel the prophet making a sacrifice and telling Saul, wait seven days for me to show up because I'm the one that needs to make the sacrifice before the Lord, and then we eat, right? So Saul's anointing, Saul's calling was based on this seven-day rule. And then Saul, a few chapters later, takes it upon himself to break that very rule that anointed him as king and rush God. How many of you guys know that if you try to rush God, it's always a bad idea? Come on. I've waited long enough, God. I'm going to do it myself. And Saul found himself in disobedience. The Bible tells us that when he did, it was in that moment that his anointing, that his assignment was now over. Now, some of us may look at that and think, well, that's kind of a knee-jerk reaction. That's a little extreme. He, he just disobeyed the one time. Now, when I was in boot camp, we had to carry our tray a certain way as we go into the dining hall. We'd had to carry our tray, elbows at 90 degrees, and we'd have to hold it like this, and, and, and these wonderful drill instructors would come by and hit said tray to make sure we were holding it tight. You know, just, just encouraging us. <laughs> and as they encouraged us, many, many would make the mistake of not holding on tight enough and the tray would go down and then their chocolate milk would spill all over the ground. Yes, they had chocolate milk in Marine Corps boot camp. Anyway, and then they would carry this. And so they, and we would learn real quick, so you better, you better hold it tight because if, if these wonderful drill instructors come along, they're going to hit that tray. And I, and I thought it was the stupidest thing that we have to carry our tray that way. This is absurd. I can carry, the tra I can carry a tray, I'm not a, I'm not a baby. <laughs> For the first four weeks. And then we went to the rifle range and we got a rifle. And then they said, now here's how you carry your rifle. Everyone put your arms like you do when you carry your tray. <laughs> what? You see, we had muscle memory now. We could carry our rifle the correct way when we were in formation. The idea is this. It wasn't about the tray. It was about us obeying. 
It was about us understanding that they were teaching us something that we did not fully grasp. And so it wasn't about Saul disobeying the one time. It was about Saul being disobedient beyond that. And what we find is Saul had this attitude that he knew better than God. So God said that I will find me another king. Which brings us to our series today and our sermon title, it's on your note sheet, Forgotten Boy. Forgotten Boy. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at the calling, the anointing, the good and bad times of King David. King David, we know, is by far the most famous king in all of Israel. If you spent any time at all following Scripture, you know King David stands out throughout Scripture as this picture of a king, what a king is supposed to look like. We'll look at the lineage of David and find out how that pointed directly to Jesus and how Jesus is the king of kings in the line of David. In 2 Samuel, we see that it's prophesied over David that his throne would last forever. This is speaking of Jesus. Jesus being the king of kings. All of these stories are, are for us to learn from, to glean from. But let me remind you, when we put ourselves too closely into the story, we may make mistakes. Scripture is good for teaching, and the Bible even says rebuke understand that God is teaching us something. Because if we take it too far, then we think, well, I'm supposed to be king. There's no kings around anymore. Unless you're in some obscure nation and it's a warlord type situation, which you don't want to be living there, amen? The scriptures are timeless. Let's take these timeless truths and apply them to our lives. This story and this series from forgotten to forever will lay out what was written and what happened thousands of years ago, yet we can take it and apply it to our lives today. David, we find, who is forgotten by everyone around him but God. Do you ever feel that you're forgotten? Do you ever feel, maybe at work, that you were passed over? I was supposed to get that promotion. I was supposed to be invited to that planning meeting. Do you ever feel at school that maybe your teachers don't send you the email when you're especially virtual last year? My goodness. God help us. Do you ever feel like your family doesn't call enough or visit enough or, or reach out and take care of you enough? Do you ever feel like your spouse isn't good enough at speaking your love language this week. Whatever the case may be. Do you feel maybe that God has forgotten you? Because if God remembered me, I wouldn't be feeling anxious or fearful. I have a picture in my head that, that the Lord placed just a moment ago as right after we prayed and, and, and Kelly told me that she felt in her heart the same way. We both had a sense that there's, there's a lot of people in the room dealing with fear and anxiety today. So listen, I want to tell you something. I remember when I was a young father and I was carrying uh, Grace around, and, and of course, Garrett and Abigail, I'd carry them around, and it was the most funny thing that I would, I would look and I would think. As I'm carrying them around, they're just looking. And so if I'm walking this way, the head goes this way. Where are we going? And then I'll turn around and go, oh, the head goes this way. And then where are we going? And I'm just carrying them around. You guys know when you pick up a child and carry them around, they're just along for the ride. How many of you guys know that being along for the ride is not that bad? Especially when you trust the one who's carrying you. You see, so many times we've got caught up when you get that toddler stage and you want to get down and go explore and do it yourself. And friend, I want to tell you that if you would just allow the Spirit of God to carry you, then He can keep you from running into the road. Amen? And somebody in here might need Him 
to grab a hold of you from the back of your shirt and say, don't do that anymore. (laughs) I'm praying and believing that nobody in here needs to go pick a switch off of the hickory tree. But my Bible says that God disciplines the ones that he loves. What you need to hear from me is this, is that no matter whether you're sick or you have a financial worry or you have a relationship worry, say, Pastor Andrew, you don't understand. I watched the news this week. The world is going down in flames. And Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Right after he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Fear not, for I've overcome the world. Listen, can I just, can I just take a moment and tell you as followers of Jesus, I'm assuming that everyone in here or most are followers of Jesus and if you're not, I'm encouraging you right now to make that decision. Listen, as followers of Jesus, we need to understand something. The governments of our world are really good at dividing. If, if it's not over race, it's over class. If it's not over class, it's over what we believe in our hearts. Now it's vaccinated and unvaccinated. Can I just say, will they just stop? Amen? If you look at me based on my medical vaccine, you better stop looking at me that way. I wonder if he's going to tell us if he got it or not. None of your business. HIPAA. Can I just, but seriously, it felt my heart was broken this past week as I saw how they talked about people that made a personal decision on whether or not to get this thing. Really? Why is it bothering y'all that much? Jesus followers, our God is on the throne above every throne. Amen? And I will not live in fear. I'm sick and tired of us letting the division happen. Get off social media. But I'll debate with them and maybe I'll convince them. No, you won't. You know, I had a conversation with somebody this past week. Can I talk to you for a minute? I was telling somebody how best to start with reading Scripture as you're beginning to learn what it's like to follow Jesus. And many of us, if not all of us, have heard that we're supposed to read the Gospel of John first. Read the Gospel of John because that talks about the love of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. But this person, the next thing I said, and then go over to Romans and read it very slowly. You know, the book of Romans tells us what what to do if we are a follower of Jesus. And Jesus tells us in John that if you love me, keep my commands. So we learn about the love of Jesus, and then we go to Romans and we learn, okay, how can I show Jesus I love him? Yeah? What I think so many people are doing is reading the gospel of John and say, Jesus loves me, yay, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to change my life. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I mean, can I I preach today? Coming to Jesus should change you from the inside out. There's got to be something different. Jesus said they will know you by your what? Fruit. If you are bearing no fruit, then what in the world did the saving power of the cross do for your life? I told y'all, This is going to be all over the place today. I warned you, and you stayed. And the ushers are at the door anyway, so you can't leave. (laughs) Just kidding. Let's talk about David. What a beautiful story in 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. 
Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied. By the way, that means cow. So you guys are looking sideways at people. Stop. Means cow. <laughs> the Lord replied. And, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Why were they so scared of Samuel? You want to know? Because <laughs> he just killed a bad king the chapter before. That's right. Samuel, the prophet, Pastor Samuel, just dealt with a king the chapter before. And when I say dealt with him, read it on your own, but he dealt with him. Saul was supposed to, and he was too weak to do it. Can I tell you something? We can apply this to our lives spiritually today and stop playing games with the devil and take authority over it. Some of us are, 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 are dancing. Well, I feel good today. I might as well just not worry about it. Listen, take authority of the enemy in your life. He has no right. He has no place. So they came out to him, and they were trembling. Samuel said, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed a purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk up in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea. Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, asked, no, Samuel asked, are, there, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he is out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him, and his, uh, he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had and brought it and anointed David with it. The Spirit of the Lord. Say, Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day Number one, forgotten yet faithful. Forgotten yet faithful. David, the shepherd boy, many of us have seen the illustrations or the drawings of, of this young man out in a field wearing a, a wool cardigan. I don't know how else to describe it watching over the sheep and goats. Jesse didn't think to call him because Jesse, his own father, forgot about him. Who can I leave in the field and bring who I have predisposed, who I feel in my heart? Jesse said, one of these sons have got to be the one, David. Now, why did he have to leave David out there? Listen, this is a culture and a time where people had their families working together, but they also had servants. So why did David have to stay? Why? Because he was forgotten. And we know this from what Jesse called him. He called him the youngest one, but the word is called hakatan. It's the idea of the least of these, unimportant one. So Samuel says, well, is there any other son? Oh, yeah, the one that nobody cares about is in the field. 
Yeah, the one that can't do nothing right is in the field. Yeah, the one that surely you're not choosing is in the field. Don't you love that we serve a God that likes to take the wisdom of man and make it foolishness? I am for one thankful that I serve a God that takes somebody like me that makes a blonde joke <laughs> that you still are seething over that takes somebody like me and uses me to preach the gospel. Yeah, I know. Don't amen too much on that one. Some of you are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> overlooked and forgotten. If you've ever felt like you've been overlooked and you've been forgotten, then the answer is to continue to be faithful where you are. You see, David had no clue what the banquet or the sacrifice was for. for. We don't even know. that His brothers were potentially getting chosen to be king, and David's watching sheep. <laughs> Enjoying the weather. Probably got one of them stupid grass straw things and is sitting under a tree, you know? Writing a song. I don't know. His brothers could be potentially chosen to be king. It's like, hey, one of y'all gonna win the lottery, but don't tell David. Leave him out there. We'll be right back. We got to go do something. All right, give me a sandwich. He didn't know, but he was faithful with his meager assignment. You see, we have no idea what God has planned for our lives. But I can tell you, you may miss it if you're not faithful with, what it, with what's in front of you. Anybody there today? Number two, forgotten and found. He was forgotten by his fathers. He was forgotten, his father. He was forgotten by his brothers. He was forgotten by all of these people. But the prophet who was hearing a direct line from God was the one that did not forget him. God said, none of them are it. There's still another son. Hey, Jesse, is this it? Is this all you got? Is this all your sons? Oh, no, there's the forgotten one. There's the Hockaton. Even that word sounds terrible. Hockaton. What do you say? Hockaton? Nobody named their baby Hockaton, all right? If you already did, it's too late. It's okay. Forgotten and found. God knew where he was. God knew, quote unquote, when he was. Check it. He wasn't ready to be king right then, but God still was anointing him for something. Number three, forgotten, now anointed. Now anointed. Continuing on in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we read in verse 14, Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul. And the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. And sometimes we get confused here when we read, the Lord sent a tormenting spirit and filled Saul with depression and fear. I, for one, am someone that says, but why? It doesn't make the story as clean. God, why do we have to explain this part? Why couldn't you say that it was a demon? It was a demon. But how many of you guys know that God is in charge of it all? We saw that when Jesus was here upon the earth and he cast out demons at his word. Get out, leave, go in the pigs. Jesus told them what to do, when to do, how to do. And so God had to do this in Saul's life. I don't pretend to know why. I don't pretend to understand how I many of you guys know that that's a good place to be when you just have faith in the one who wrote the book? Amen? But I do know that what happened in this tormenting spirit accomplished and prepared something in David to be the king that God knew that he was called to be. Some of us look around and we have people that give us a hard time and we don't know why. Now what I don't want you to do is to look at this and say, the Lord must have sent a tormenting spirit in your life. That's why you're such a jerk. Don't you do that. (laughs) 
But what we see here is that God is sovereign over it all. If I, can I say that God is sovereign and still say that God is good? I absolutely. Whoever's arguing with you and saying that God must not be sovereign because he cannot be sovereign and good at the same time is stupid. They're trying to justify their own belief system about a God that they choose not to have faith in. That's where we're going today. I choose to trust the God of the universe that he knows what he's doing better than I do. Because now we see that this spirit was there. Why was the spirit on Saul? What was accomplished by it? Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician. Hmm. And play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said. Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. Over in Bethlehem. Meanwhile, verse 18, one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons hmm, from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, a good judgment. He is also a fine-looking man. The Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, Send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat and a donkey loaded with bread and wineskin uh, wine full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Catch this. Little bitty David, anointed as king, hopelessly unprepared. Over in the throne room, Saul has an issue that can only be solved by someone playing soothing music and anointed by the Lord. Where is that person? Bethlehem, turns out, just got anointed by the Lord by Samuel. God connects these two, and now David spends his days in the king's <laughs> in the king's court learning how to be king. You see, so many of us get caught up on poor Saul. Saul disobeyed God. What if I were to tell you that your choices and your disobedient has consequence? But through it all, my Bible says that he works all things, say all, things to good. They're for the good of those that love God and are called. Ooh. God called David, strategically placed him in the throne room because he knew how to string a harp and was anointed by the Lord you guys see how all these pieces fit together I, know, I don't know about y'all but ain't none of us this smart to put it together like this I mean are you with me sometimes we feel like oh you know, you know them I know them oh yeah yeah hey wow coinkadink what a great thing God has all the pieces on the board and he places them at his own Wisdom and plan. Number four, forgotten, now called. In order to be king, he was being prepared to be king in the king's court. I just flipped over my sheet. Bow your heads with me for just a moment. If you're in here today and you feel forgotten, I want you to know God sees you. He sees you. So I'm going to say a prayer and I want to encourage you. Receive the peace that comes only through the power of the Holy Spirit. All of these things we've talked about today and the different anxieties and worries and even this story of Saul and David and how we can see that God's fingerprint is on all of it. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows whether you're coming or going. He knows where you are when no one else knows. When you feel forgotten by everybody else, God is still there. 
If you're here today and say, Pastor Andrew, I, I feel like I'm forgotten. Now slip that hand up right now, right where you are. And I want to pray for you right now. I feel like God's forgotten me. Anybody? I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see that hand back here. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, anybody else? You feel, you feel distant from God right now. And you say, you know, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get closer to him. I want to get back in relationship with him. If that's you, raise that hand right now. Don't hesitate. I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, anybody else quickly? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. You can put those hands down. Church, just pray in your seats with me. Lord Jesus, today is the day that you have made, and I am rejoicing in it. But today there is folks in this room that feel forgotten. Lord, while it's important, we know not to base our emotions and let our emotions control our faith. Today, God, I want to ask of you that you would intervene in these lives. Lord, as they push forward to become closer to you, Lord, that right now, may your peace overflow and overwhelm their heart, their life. A peace that passes all understanding right now. If you raised your hand, I encourage you. Receive that. And release that anxiety to the Lord. Let him take your burden. He said his burden is light. So Lord, today we ask you, encourage our hearts. Help us to trust you with our heavy burdens. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I have kind of a quasi-announcement testimony to share with you. And then we'll, we'll go home. The month of August, we're focusing everything that we can on evangelism, on go. A third part of our mission statement is go. To go in the power of God to reach others. I'd like to go with you through a couple of numbers. First, let me get one of these kits. On Wednesday night, starting this Wednesday, church-wide, we're going through a training. Young adults, greater years. Youth, kids, everybody's doing it in the month of August. And everybody's going to get a kit. This kit includes an evangelism training guide and includes some very well-made handouts. I try not to use the word tract because if you go up to someone who's not a believer, most of the time they say, hey, can you want a tract? They're going to say, No. But if you walk up to someone who doesn't know Jesus and start a conversation that leads to, you know, I, can, I, can I pray for you? I've only met one person who said no to that and many, many others that have welcomed that prayer. And most of the time, it leads to an opportunity. So everybody will get this kid on Wednesday night. Let me just run through some of the numbers that as we were as I was praying through this and say, Lord, what can Greater Life Church do? 85% of church people, of believers in Jesus, have not ever shared their faith with anyone and has no idea how to start. That's what we're doing here in August at Greater Life Church. Now, here's the numbers as I see it. Based on four people in every household, if we can get 100 people to commit to going to 10 homes weekly. What does that mean? That means you're praying for that house. You're having conversations with those people. We'll get into the details about what that looks like on Wednesday night. Pastor Andrew, there's no soliciting in my neighborhood. Okay. We'll get into that on Wednesday night. I'll talk to you about how you can do this. This is just a metric to show you what kind of an impact we can have for the kingdom's sake. 100 people, 10 homes. 100 times 10 is 1,000. Four weeks is 4,000 homes. 4,000 people based on four people in the home, 16,000 people. An evangelism team that is going to be led by Joel and Adrian Disla will go to 100, 100 homes weekly. That's their goal. Times four weeks, 400. 400 homes, four people, 1,600. Are the numbers going up on the screen behind me? 
You guys are on it today. 16,000 plus 1,600 is 17,600 people in the month of August that we can reach with the gospel. The evangelism team continues to go through this and becomes a go outreach for the rest of the year. A total of 1,600 people times four months, 6,400. A total of 5,750 homes or 23,000 people in 2021. Next slide. Mint Hill's population is 22,600. Didn't know that when I started scribbling these numbers on a whiteboard. But God did. Did you know we can reach the population of Mint Hill, just Greater Life Church, with the gospel of Jesus Christ by the end of the year if we will just engage in evangelism? That is something to be excited about. Come on Wednesday, find out how. Let me tell you another great story that God is doing with this evangelism idea. Thompson's Children's Home is an, is an outreach that's opened the door to us. This is a home that has uh, children, uh, residents that, uh, of different circumstances, but they're living here full time. We had a cookout with them a couple weeks ago and played slip and slide kickball, I think it was. I don't know what they did. I didn't go. Anyway, it was awesome. Saw the pictures. Uh, of the, the lead up to the cookout and everything. We can't do a whole lot of promotion because of the nature of the children's home, so we can't show you videos and stuff. But what you need to know is they have opened the doors to us going out there and holding chapel, preaching the gospel at Thompson's Children's Home and loving on them. This is an amazing thing. Thank God for that. And we're thankful for the connection we have. A church member here who is on staff there that's helped us make that connection. Now, two weeks ago, I had a dream. Landon, you get that picture on there? Put it up there. How many of you guys have driven by this on Independence Boulevard? This is called Independence Place Hotel. You go down Independence towards downtown, it's on the right-hand side. Now, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? It's across from that weird nightclub, all right? Anyway. I had a dream, and this is what God showed me. And then I woke up, and then the Spirit of the Lord said, Greater Life Church needs to go there. We're not moving. We just got this place. Don't worry. Here's what's happened. Friday, I went in there, and I talked to the guy at the front desk, and I said, hey, my name is Andrew. I'm a pastor. I think I'm supposed to have church here. Oh. I said, can I talk to a manager? Sure. Feeling like he was going to go around the corner and come back, he's unavailable at the moment, right? But he goes around the corner, and he says, yeah, come on back. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in the manager's office and telling him, dude, it's going to sound weird. I had a dream. That's why I'm here. Had a conversation with this man for the next 10 minutes and shared with him my heart. I don't know if you know, but we have services at nursing homes, and then we also have the service at uh, Thompson Children's Home that is beginning. And I, and I shared that with him. And I said, I feel like our church is supposed to do something here to help you, to have services here. He said, you know what? I have helped these people. It's, it's basically, to, to explain it easily, it's people that are coming out of addiction or shelters or homelessness and then this is the middle step towards them being established in some type of a assisted uh, Section 8 type housing or something like that. They're getting jobs, they're getting established, and so on. That's who's living here. Well over 100 people living here at this location. Families. He said, I can help them physically and financially, but I've realized I can't do anything for them spiritually. I said, that's where I come in. Here I am, sitting in this office, blown away. I like to wait till all the details get worked out before I bring anything to you, but I need your help. I need you to pray. There's lost people in that place that need Greater Life Church, a spirit-filled work, to come and set up shop. And I'm determined that God's called us and he's placed it in our hearts 
And on Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., I meet with the COO and the regional manager and the property manager to share my heart about what God wants to do at that place. He, proce- wait. he proceeded to walk me down the hall and say, this is the room that you'll use. Oh, here's a big room that seats almost 200 people. Looks like a church room to me. And then I prayed over this gentleman that God would give him favor. Guys, I have no idea what God is going to do, but what I do know is I let the prayer team know and we're already making plans for financial counseling and grief counseling and addiction counseling and a chaplain that's gonna be there. I am excited that God is gonna change those lives because of this church. Now give glory to God, amen? And this, this comes on the heels of me telling Pastor Mike Teeter, our missions and go guy, stop making new stuff for everybody to do. <laughs> so I had to call him today. Hey, I, I made something. So we're saying, yes, Jesus, we will do what you've called us to do, and we will preach this message, and we will make disciples because that is what we're here for. Amen? Guys, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. And I feel in my spirit, it's like a knot in my heart. I feel in my spirit, we have got to get busy. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, may your blessing and anointing rest upon these wonderful people. God, be with them in their coming and their going. May your favor follow them around like a faithful friend this week. And Lord, that you may continue to open the right doors at the right time, that we may walk through it and be used of you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.